0: We're taking it back to the 70s on this 10-4 Good Buddy Day. Welcome in to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Break 1-9, break 1-9. Yeah, it's 10-4. It's October the 4th. And if you grew up in any portion of the 1970s or back in the 60s when CB radios were king, yeah, you know exactly what 10-4 means. And I miss those days in some ways. Those were those were fun days, especially if you were a kid and you, you thought you were really something if you got there and you had your own little handle and such. And I'm going to have to break out Convoy, the theme song for that great movie and the title track for the record, in the beginning of the next segment here on the show. I, I didn't have a chance to play it here because we got to have our opening theme music, our own Convoy of sorts here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. I need to come, I guess my handle would be The General. So this here is The General, good buddy. Ten four break 1-9, you got Smokies on you? Okay, enough for the CB talk for now, but don't let me forget to play Convoy coming back from the next break. All right, this is y'all where this hour of the show, we're going to have a little Convoy, we hope, a little C.W. McCall music to start us off in the next segment, and then we're actually going to kind of channel our inner Convoy and get on the highway to Alabama because there are some awesome places to go visit in Alabama during the fall. And thanks to the staff of AL.com, we're going to go through a listing of some really good fall destinations in the state of Alabama for you to come up with in our Dixie Destinations Festive South spotlight later this hour. But if you got a little left in the tank and you're looking to go somewhere, well, head over to where Smokey and the Bandit were going when they were all over the CB back in that time frame. Go to Georgia and specifically next weekend go to Washington, Georgia for the 38th annual Mule Day, and it's going on in Washington, which is not all that far from Augusta, Georgia. And we're going to welcome in the director of the Washington Wilkes County Tourism Bureau, John Singleton, will be our special guest later this hour, as Washington is our Dixie destination, not D.C., but the one in Georgia, a very historic town, and John's going to tell you all about it and why you need to get there for Mule Day. It's a celebration of the South. Lots of activities for the kids and adults alike. Lots of great food. It's perfect weather. You check out Washington, Georgia next week. And if you can't make it, John's going to tell you, well, just plan on coming to Washington, Georgia anytime because it's a, it's a beautiful place, he says. so, And I've been through there. For Unfortunately for John, I was in a hurry. So I did not spend a lot of time in Washington. It was essentially a way to get from one place to another. But John's invited me back, and I'm going to Washington. You know, uh, it's it's kind of like a movie. Mr. S- Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Well, Mr. Rawl goes to Washington, but in this case, it's going to be the one in Georgia, which I probably would like better anyway. You know, in Washington, Georgia, I bet you, I bet you, I can find some good sweet tea. I doubt they have that in D.C. And I bet you, I can find some good fried chicken. They probably have that in D.C. somewhere, but they don't have Chick-fil-A, and eh, they may have a Chick-fil-A wash. I know there's not one. I know there's one not far away in Thompson, Georgia. That's the closest interstate town on I-20. I know that town quite well. But Washington, Georgia is going to be our spotlight later this hour. And when we get to hour two, I just found out yesterday was the birthday of Charlie Duke. Now, Charlie Duke, if you're under the age of 60, you probably have no clue who Charlie Duke is. Well, he's one of only 12 people, I think, that have ever walked on the moon. And he was on the Apollo 16 mission. And he's still alive. He lives in New Brunsfells, Texas. And he grew up in South Carolina in Lancaster. Whoop, whoop. And I've got some audio I discovered as he celebrated his 83rd birthday, I believe, was yesterday. I'll I'll tell you more about it in hour two about his life and, and his background and such. graduate of the Naval Academy. But Charlie Duke, I found this incredible video of him talking about his relationship with God and how he became a Christian and it's an amazing thing that I know this isn't a religious show but it is powerful and if no for uh, no other reason it's coming from a guy who walked on the moon okay and when a person walks on the moon you listen and he did it and we're going to hear that incredible testimony coming from Charlie Duke a astronaut a great southerner and he's still with us he's in his mid 80s now But an an incredible chance for you to learn more about this Southerner coming up in Hour 2. And then as we close out Hour 2, we're going to have our SEC spotlight. We're going to do something a little different. There's four major SEC versus SEC contests going on Saturday. And we're going to hear audio from a couple of the coaches involved in those four contests. And yes, I promise you, Coach O, Ed Orgeron. Yo, 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 Orgeron. He's going to be one of those. We can't miss an opportunity to have the fire occasion on the y'all show. We love, he's kind of like our unofficial mascot here on the y'all show. So we've got SEC spotlight. We'll go over this weekend's games. There's at least one non-SEC contest going on, but there's several pretty good contests, including Ed Orgeron's Tigers going down to the swamp. We'll have more on that in hour two in our SEC spotlight of the y'all show. Now, let's kick into high gear, the activities of the Southland, and sadly, we've told you about some deaths in Mississippi law enforcement in the last couple days. Well, South Carolina's unfortunate turn came on Wednesday, as at least one officer is dead in Florence, South Carolina, and six other officers were wounded when police there in the PD area of South Carolina, not far from where Hurricane Florence came through in the Floodwaters from Florence are still in that area of Florence, South Carolina. This shooting happened late Thursday, and this officer was killed from Florence, South Carolina, and first responders came to handle the situation. Three Florence County Sheriff's deputies and three other Florence police officers who were shot are all receiving medical attention. A suspect was in custody after the shooting, and the active shooting situation is over. And again, this happened in Florence, South Carolina, roughly an hour east of Columbia, South Carolina. And the president, Donald Trump, sent out a tweet with his thoughts and prayers for the Florence County Sheriff's Office and the Florence PD. And he said that he's forever grateful for what law enforcement officers do 24-7-365. And the governor of South Carolina, Henry McMaster, who's very close to President Trump, said that this was simply devastating news from Florence, South Carolina. The selfless acts of bravery from the men and women in law enforcement is real, just like the power of prayer is real. So we uh, keep our eye on another unfortunate situation as more law enforcement, the boys in blue, the girls in blue, go out there every day and can lose their life. And golly, to have six wounded and one dead, and that number could rise, unfortunately, we keep our thoughts with florence south carolina right now now president trump has picked a southerner to lead the u.s Marshals service as he's picked a louisiana native to head up the service lafayette louisiana lawyer donald washington was picked by the president to head this he's a west point graduate and a former u.s attorney for the western district of louisiana washington is a jones walker law firm partner who litigates business energy white collar crime and health care issues The Marshal Service is the country's oldest federal law enforcement agency. And again, Louisiana taking over the role. Donald Washington, congratulations, as you will be leading up that federal agency. Michael Bloomberg, you know, the billionaire in New York City who seriously considered running for president back in 2016, decided not to because he didn't want to hurt Hillary Clinton's chances of winning. (laughs) Shame on you, Michael. You should have run. Because you didn't hurt anything, I don't think. Well, he hasn't declared his candidacy for 2020, but this very successful businessman, he's still weighing in on politics big time. He's going all over the country supporting Democratic candidates. He pledged earlier this year $80 million to help out campaigns across the country. And next Tuesday, not in Nashville, not in Soddy Daisy, not in... Paul Mall, I'm going to Paul Mall, I think, next week, Tennessee. I'll tell you why. Maybe next week, maybe we'll broadcast from Paul Mall, Tennessee. you got to really want me to to, to go there, and, and there's a good reason to go there. I'll tell you about it soon. There's a historic reason. Uh, Memphis, it's he's, he's not holding this in a, a Democratic bastion of Memphis or Chattanooga or Knoxville or Nashville. Now, Bloomberg's having a fundraiser for Phil Bredesen, who is the U.S. Senate candidate for the state of Tennessee, in a big battle right now with Marsha Blackford for that seat. And they're having this fundraiser in the very Tennessee location of New York City. (laughs) What are they thinking? Yeah, they're going to charge $5,000 or $2,700 or $1,000 per person to come to this fundraiser. For Bredesen. Now, we don't know if Bredesen's actually going to show up in the Big Apple for this fundraiser, but it should be pointed out that, well, Bredesen's a damn Yankee, okay? I, I think he's a good governor and he was a good mayor of Nashville, but he's a damn Yankee because he's from New York. He grew up near Rochester, and he's a damn Yankee because he moved to Tennessee and, and didn't leave and didn't go back. <laughs> And he's a success story. He's been very successful, both business wise and political wise. And if he wins the Senate seat for Tennessee, well, that'll be another feather in his cap, in his Yankee cap. But yeah, Bloom- Bloomberg helping out Bredesen in a big way next week with a fundraiser. Now, remember Bredesen's opponent, Marsha Blackburn, she had President Trump in Johnson City this week for both a fundraiser and a big public rally just off the campus of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City. So things hitting up in the volunteer state when it comes to the U.S. Senate race. By the way, the governor's candidates for the governor of Tennessee had a big debate Tuesday night on the campus of the University of Memphis. I don't think anything ground or earth shattering happened at that debate, so it's not worth me going through the recap of that. We'll have more political talk on next week's y'all's Tuesday political spotlight, so perhaps we'll have some info on what's going on between Carl Dean and Bill Lee in Tennessee as they run for the governor's seat. Missouri is now down to one abortion clinic. This is after a court rule this week and the show me state now and I consider Missouri very not only fringe southern but fringe conservative Uh, probably leans maybe a little bit more liberal. I know they're they're not Alabama or Mississippi and, and Missouri, but God bless them. They still have Southern connections. And I know someone who spent a long time working in Missouri recently, and they found a wonderful place that served grits. <laughs> and they were very proud of their Confederate history during the Civil War. So, hey, we'll give them a star. We'll give them – they got a star on the Confederate flag, by the way. Missouri and Kentucky, both border states, are considered Southern for, if no other reason, they were part of the CSA flag. How about that? Now, that's something I'm sure they're quite proud of across Missouri today, but they should be. Well, again, a judge ruled in favor of restrictions requiring doctors to be licensed at nearby hospitals before they can perform abortions, and this rule went into effect here on October 1st, on Monday. As a result, there's only one clinic providing services due to the new state requirements i think that clinic is in columbia at a planned parenthood clinic i think i don't want to get in trouble with planned parenthood but i i don't have all the info here but that's the headline that the state of missouri a large state now down to one abortion clinic after this court ruling in the new enforcement of the state law that went into effect on october 1st casey anthony remember casey anthony course back in 2011 she was all over the news because she was alleged to have killed her child her daughter and i find it kind of i don't long for the day but remember we had like a triumvirate of headlines and news stories that the media totally went nuts over and that's all you heard about for a couple of months and then another story came about Well, it seems like Casey Anthony's case back in 2011 was one of those three. The other two were Scott Peterson in California. Remember how the media went bonkers over that? And then the George Peterson, Peter, luckily I've forgotten his name down in Florida, Trayvon Martin, George, whatever his name is. I'm I'm actually glad that I'm not able to come up with his name right now. I guess I remember Trayvon Martin. That was a massive media story that went on. And now, I think it's Donald Trump. I think because of Trump, there's other cases out there that the media could latch on to and make a huge deal out of. But because of Trump, the national media is too obsessed with trying to bring him down. And these the, you don't have this kind of media going 24-7 over stories that really shouldn't be national stories anyway. I know what happened with Casey Anthony was tragic with her daughter and what Scott Peterson did and what happened in Florida with Trayvon Martin was tragic. But those were local stories. They should have never been something that everybody in all 50 states were latching on to and had 24-7 coverage. It was these news outlets like Fox, and I won't blame them as much as I blame CNN and MSNBC even, for just plastering local stories only onto a national scene every day i guess that was back in the boring days of obama obama and even maybe back to when bush was in pres- in the presidency it was boring back then it's not so boring with trump he keeps things interesting and it's always about him the- casey anthony is in the news this week because she says she's 32 years old now she says she's open to having more children and she doesn't care what people think she lives in the Palm Beach area, very elusive, not really looking for attention, but she did an interview, and that's what she said. She's open to having more kids. And she was basically had a mistrial back in 2011. Her daughter was killed in 2008. She went on trial, spent three years in jail, but she was let go. And according to the courts, she's innocent. And if she wants to have a, another child, she's allowed to do that. And again, she doesn't really care what you think, Casey Anthony. And I think this is a People Magazine article she did recently that is coming out. So maybe if you have any interest, keep an eye open for that. Tragic news from Clemson University. C.J. Fuller, a running back for the Tigers, he was part of the 2016 National Championship Clemson Tiger football team. He died yesterday. I don't have a cause of death. But Fuller has been in the news in the last year for not-so-good things. He's actually been kicked off of the Clemson team. I don't know what happened, but here is a star who grew up in South Carolina, had so much going his way, who was set to graduate from Clemson University in May, and unfortunately his life comes to an end. This star running back for the Clemson Tigers dying on Wednesday. To the capital city of the Palmetto State, and the University of South Carolina's president, Harris Pastiti, announced yesterday that he would be stepping down from his position next year. He had been president of the University of South Carolina for 10 years. And at age 64, he's going to ride off into the sunset. Some of his accomplishments throughout the decade in Columbia was he guided USC through the Great Recession. He increased enrollment 25% system-wide and launched the Palmetto College, which offers bachelor's degrees through online courses. Harris Pastides, president of the University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks. He's retiring. We've also seen recently the president of the University of Tennessee announce his retirement. So it must be something in the water in the SEC East going on right now. Well, that will conclude our look at what's going on around the Southland here on the Y'all Show today. When we come back, we've got a quick look at some stuff going on in the state of Alabama that you might want to pencil in in your fall planning. That's ahead on the Y'all Show with John Rawl.
1: Are you
2: putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. bankonyourself.com
3: hey there i'm a glue stick so i have one job i glue kid stuff so sorry for being jealous of geico who does a ton more like give you 24 7 access to thousands of licensed agents and geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97 percent customer satisfaction rating while i've just got mediocre adhesive skills geico also has an award-winning mobile app uh-oh arts and crafts time no eating the glue stick miss lydia
2: geico expect great savings and a whole lot more
0: Oh, Breaker19,
4: this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Oh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a Big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy.
5: Was the dark of the moon on the sixth of June in a Kenworth pulling logs? Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. We is heading for Bear on I-10 about a mile out of Shaky Town. I says, "Big this here's a rubber duck, and I'm about to put the hammer down."
0: As promised, taking you back to 1975, convoy from C.W. McCall, and I need to get my. CB, Thesaurus, Dictionary, and make sure I know what all the world does. <laughs> what the world he's talking about when he sang that song. I-, I love it. It's certainly the quintessential 1970 song. That came out in 1975. It was a number one smash. It was number one not only on the country music charts. It was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. And Black Bear Road, the CD that that came from, went to the number one position On the country album, it was certified gold. Big, big time for C.W. McCall, whose birth name, William Dale Freeze Jr. And guess what? Mr. Freeze is 89 years old and is still alive. Thank goodness. And I'd love to hear him sing Convoy one more time in person, if at all possible. But what an awesome song. And again, that goes back to the fact that today is October 4th. It's 10-4, good buddy. And in case you don't know what that means, if you're below the age of 40 and you never had a CB in your life, 10-4 means yes, it's affirmative. So 10-4, the y'all show is kicking butt and taking names. We have our Dixie destination coming up in the next segment. We're going to go to Washington, Georgia. They've got the Mule Day taking place next weekend, and we're going to be talking with John Singleton of the Washington Wilkes County Tourism Office, and he's going to lay the stage out for what's going on In that part of Georgia next week. However, if you can't wait until next week and you just got ants in your pants and you got to go somewhere, let's give some love to AL.com. They do an unbelievable job of covering the state of Alabama with news information, sports information, recipes, goofy videos, and more. And they've just come out with an article called 45 Must See Festivals and Fairs in Alabama in Fall 2018. Mary Coluso is the writer of this at AL.com. Got to give her props for a a great article. I am not going to read through the 45 must-see festivals. However, there's about 10 going on this weekend from this list that I want to rattle off so that you can maybe head over to the Yellowhammer State if you don't live there or if you're in Alabama listening to us, make plans to get out this weekend and check out the various activities in your state. First off, in Montgomery, it's the Alabama National Fair going on through October 8th. And that's at the Alabama Agricultural Center and Garrett Coliseum in the state capitol. So typical fair going on in the state capital of Montgomery. In Moundville, it's the Moundville Native American Festival going on through October 6th. And this is at the Moundville Archaeological Park in Moundville, Alabama. And this is a place where ancient remains of Mississippian culture on the Black Warrior River are present. And it's a great celebration of American Indian culture and tradition. Going on now through October 6th in Moundville. Go to the website moundville.ua.edu if you need more information. Now, I don't often think of North Alabama and Germany, but guess what? In Coleman, which is sandwiched between Huntsville and Birmingham... They've got this weekend the Coleman Oktoberfest, a celebration of a German heritage and culture with food, beer, music, dancing, a bed race, run, and more. This is going on in downtown Coleman. Most events are free at ColemanOctoberfest.com. And by the way, Oktoberfest is spelled O-K-T-O-B-E-R-F-E-S-T. Now that sounds like a lot of fun in Coleman, Alabama, home of the Orange Rolls, great restaurant there that serves those. I don't know if that's German or not, but I've had them, and I've had a great time. Home of Ave Maria Grotto, also in Coleman, also the hometown of Hank Williams Jr.'s mom. She is from Coleman. There you go. The Alabama Coastal Bird Fest is going on right now in Spanish Fort. That goes on through the weekend. You can have birding tours, workshops. There'll be speakers talking about birds, and this will be at various locations on the Alabama Gulf Coast with the headquarters at Five Rivers, Alabama's Delta Resource Center at Spanish Fork. This, this, there's a charge for this. It's $20 to $100 per event. You might want to go check out more information on Alabama Coastal Bird fest. In Mobile, it's Wine Fest going on on the 4th today. That's uh, going on tonight from 5.30 until 8.30. $75. So if you're not in Mobile and you don't have $75 to blow, then you might want to skip past Wine Fest going on this weekend. Until October 6th, it's the Tennessee Valley Old Time Fiddlers Convention going on in Athens, which is in North Alabama between Huntsville and Florence near the Tennessee line. And that's a fun event going on. A lot of fiddling in in North Alabama. How about this? The Alabama Butterbean Festival going on in downtown Pinson. This is a free event, and it happens Friday and Saturday. Hours are 6 to 10 p.m. and Saturday 9 to 4 So if you like Butter Beans, this is the first Butter Bean Festival I've ever heard of, actually. And there's a lot of festivals in our part of the world. I've never heard of one celebrating Butter Beans. So get to Pinson if you like the Butter Beans. The Alabama Frog Level Festival and Cruise Inn is going on in downtown Fayette, Alabama. That's happening Friday and Saturday. A frog jumping contest, music, art demos, and a cornhole tournament all taking place in Fayette. The Alabama Frog Level Festival and Cruise Inn. That's it's the award for creativity and finally this weekend in boaz it's the boaz harvest festival where they've got arts and crafts lots of children activity and the miss harvest festival pageant going on in downtown boaz that is this weekend so get to alabama enjoy just a little slice of all the activities going on in the Yellowhammer state between now and winter time and those are about 10 events this weekend for you to go check out except for the one in mobile is tonight you better speed on over and get your wine bottles out. This is the Y'all Show. When we come back, we'll have our Dixie destination. We're going to go to Washington, Georgia, and we're going to learn all about Mule Day, which is coming up next weekend. This is the Y'all Show with John Raw. We'll be right back, y'all.
3: Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The gorgeous hair event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Drybar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful.
2: the
6: boy said, my name's Johnny and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet. You're going to regret
7: because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny
0: this is y'all talk with a Southern accent. This is the show all about the South and how wonderful our 16 Southern states are. And if you're in the South, we have some awesome places for you to go check out from time to time. And if you're not from the South and you want to get to the South, well, that's why we have this segment here called Festive South. And our Dixie destination for Festive South this week is Washington, but no, nah, not the one in, up in D.C. where all the craziness happens. This one's in Georgia. Washington, Georgia is a very historic town near Augusta, Georgia, and we're just pleased to be joined by John Singleton. He works in the Tourism Office and the Chamber of Commerce in Washington, Georgia, and he is our special guest right now on our Dixie destination. Hello, John. Hi, y'all. <laughs> <use> y'all? <laughs> that, that wasn't too hard for you to say, was it? Not at all. Okay. Well, John, of course, Washington, Georgia, people are like, ah, I've heard of that, but I don't really know much about it or where it is. Now I, I described it as close to Augusta. Is that a fair accurate des- description? No.
8: Um actually Augusta's close to us.
0: <laughs> I love it. We <laughs>
8: <laughs> We are Right at about two hours east of Atlanta.
0: Is Atlanta close you to you sit, too?
8: Yeah, two hours, and we sit right in the middle, about fifty minutes either way. If you head east to Augusta or west to the University of Georgia,
0: uh-huh. Athens. So whenever I start start telling people where Atlanta is, I just say, "Oh, y'all know where Atlanta is? It's only two hours west from Washington." That's it. Uh-huh. I like we the enthusiasm. Atlanta. I like it. Well, we have you on because you all are about to have Mule Day next weekend, and we're going to dive into what Mule Day is and the fact that this is the 38th annual Mule Day, a Southern Heritage Festival taking place in Washington, Wilkes County, Georgia. But first, your town is very historic, and for Georgians, if they don't know a lot about Washington, they darn sure ought to, it is arguably the first town in Georgia. That is actually technically correct. We are the
8: first county of the state of Georgia and the first city of the state of Georgia. Savannah is older, but it was a parish of the crown of England. It did not incorporate under the state until after us. So we are the first county and the city of the state of Georgia. And I will tell you, readers, your listeners, that If they love American history, they can relive every bit of it in Washington. Our museums, we are blessed to have three of the best in the entire state. And every important event in American history, we have a chapter in it. Um, The only revolutionary battle in the state of Georgia that was actually won was fought here. And that was the Battle of Kettle Creek. And the... Last meeting of the Confederate government actually took place here on our town square in 1865. And an interesting story with that, one of the last official acts of the government was to dispense of the treasury. And we know where all that Confederate treasury went. It was documented. But the banks of Richmond sent all of their gold and silver to Washington for protection by the Confederate army because they knew they were about to fall to the Union troops. Hmm. So now the war between the states is over. Confederacy has gone, and all of that money, it's still here. And it was only a few days later that it was loaded up on a mule train and headed back north, and they made it somewhere about 15 miles from here, near the Chenault Plantation, which still stands, and they camped. And that night, there was a legendary raid and the gold was lost. So we have legends abounding about the lost gold of the Confederacy. As a matter of fact, the Discovery Channel was here yesterday filming yet again another story because it's never been found. Who, and then, who,
0: who did the raid?
8: It was actually the Confederate troops. In their eyes, it was Confederate money. And I guarantee you that money was not going to go back to those banks. It was going to the U.S. coffers. Yes. So... They raided it because they had not been paid in who knows how long. Right. So uh, there are all sorts of legends around here about why is this family wealthy? Why did they build a house after the war? All sorts of stories. But if you want to know, all you have to do is go to the Washington Historical Museum. And our curators are incredible. They, they know and love our history. And, and it comes across as genuine, not just a dry story, but they know the family tales, all the skeletons in the closet. So you're missing out if you don't go to our museums.
0: John, do you mind if we look at your bank account and see if, you can tra- if we can trace your funds back to 1865?
8: Please, all you got to do is look at my
0: house. (coughs) No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you know anything about Civil War history in Georgia, Washington, which really is in a part of Georgia that was part of the original colony of Georgia, it was not Indian lands that, let's say, in North Georgia and such that were added later on. It was part of the original colony of Georgia that was in the American Revolution. And during the Civil War, The Yankees coming from Atlanta, they didn't go to Washington. They went straight to Savannah. So your area was not really touched until that closing day or two of the war. So as a result, you probably have a lot of old homes that weren't burnt to the ground.
8: Well, and I tell people, 99% of the tales you hear about Sherman are not true. We were never on his scope. Um, But because of that, yes, we actually have more antebellum homes than any other city in America per capita. Really, and the beauty, yeah, fabulous homes. And here. one of them's but, yours. Uh, not Annabelle, but it is <laughs> a beauty.
0: <laughs>
8: My house is called Boxwood Cottage, and as a matter of fact, that's a tradition here that we name our homes. We ah. don't just live at an address. We name our homes. Um, but one of the interesting things that our visitors can enjoy and experience are the walking and driving tours and see every type of architecture that has ever been in America since the 1750s. We have it. It's here. And they can see the evolution. As a matter of fact, one of the museums, we have three, as I keep saying, uh, Calloway Plantation, the Robert Toombs House. He was secretary of state of the Confederacy and then the Washington Historical Museum. Um, they all are testament to the evolution of architecture, but Calloway. There's a 1785 log cabin, Really? then the 1790 federal home, and an 1869 Greek revival. So you can see the evolution from the pioneering days all the way through to the grander homes that we think of when we think about the Old South.
0: Hmm. Again, we're talking about Washington, Georgia, and Wilkes County, Georgia. We're visiting with John Singleton. He is with the Washington Wilkes Tourism Office, and they are putting on the Mule Day Festival, and that's coming up October the 13th from 9 until 4 in Washington, Georgia. This is the 38th annual Mule Day. So, John, how did you all, or should I say y'all, get such an <laughs> event started there in that part of the CSRA?
8: Well, first of all, let me tell you, listeners, um, our website is WashingtonWilks.org, mm-hmm. and Mule Day has its own website mule day Southern heritage festival org so they can get more information there and on Facebook you can follow historic Washington Wilkes but now back to your question why mule day the mule was the tractor of the early farms and mule day is a celebration of rural farm life in Georgia from the late 1700s on up to about 1900. If you could imagine being without your car, that's how important the mule was for those early farmers. So we give demonstrations. You have a full day to experience life 150 years ago. There are mule demonstrations, mule plowing, period music. We have three fabulous uh, performers. One is the Clay Babies and then the Hit String Band. And in the big brick house, the column home, we have the classic city dulcimers. So that's wonderful music all day long. Um, how did you make quilts? There's a wonderful quilt show going on there, and they're actually making them. We have one lady. She has a huge collection of underground railroad quilts. Really? And yeah, great stories there. Um, making soap. We give those demonstrations. Hewing logs. There's one that's incredible. It's the uh, it's a turpentine still. It looks like a moonshine still, but <laughs> it's a huge turpentine still that's probably about ten feet tall. It's fascinating. Um, and this year, we're pleased to be adding all sorts of new mule events. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have a wonderful new addition. A lady is bringing her mules and is giving demonstration on garocha, pole riding, and dressage. This is actually a Spanish form of herding sheep. As a matter of fact, do you know where the first mule came from in America?
0: Washington, Georgia. <laughs> George Washington. Ah, okay.
8: Actually, the well. first mule in America, and you can find this on our website, the first mule in America was called royal gift, because George Washington heard about this new work animal in Spain, and he sent his representative to the king to find out what it was, and the king gave a mule to George Washington and brought it back, and that was the first mule in America.
0: I did not know. I didn't learn that in the history
4: books.
8: (laughs) I didn't either, (laughs) (laughs) but. We have all sorts of wonderful things uh, for the visitors to see and enjoy. Lots of good food, wonderful handmade crafts. There are just, if you could imagine, a county fair 150 years ago. That's what the kids are going to enjoy. Uh, sack race contest, egg on a spoon race, um, arts and craft food. We even have a sheep dog herding demonstration. Really? And that. Absolutely hilarious because these dogs are so well trained to respond to whistles and they heard um, a group of ducks around in the field and then crossing over bridges and stuff. But they've been there a long time and people absolutely love it. We even have a chuck wagon, a jail wagon. It just keeps going. And the handcrafted works of art, there are um, baskets handmade from pine straw. That are fascinating, so lots to see and do there. It's not to wa- mention three houses.
0: Yeah, it's Washington, Georgia's thirty-eighth annual Mule Day, a Southern Heritage Festival next weekend. Go ahead, put it on the calendar. There's nothing more important going on. I don't care if you're an SEC football fan or an ACC football fan, or if you're dying to get to a Presbyterian College Blue Hose game. There's nothing. Go more- yeah, go hose. Nothing more important than what's going on next weekend in Washington, Georgia. Now. We mentioned earlier about the Confederates trying to raid for gold. It looks like you're adding a new gold-related event at this year's Mule Day.
8: I'm glad you caught that. Yes, one of our civic organizations is going to be um, having panning for gold out there. So the kids can go out there and pan for their own bag of gold. And it's a connection to our incredible history because, as a matter of fact, the— First, where is it? First operational uh, gold stamp in the United States was set up here in Wilkes County. In 1833. That's correct. We are a city of first, and the the list just goes on and on from the first African-American Revolutionary War hero in the South, first female newspaper editor, um, first State-charted cotton gin, south of Connecticut. Hmm. And some really famous people, Jesse Mercer. He founded Mercer University. In Go Macon. Bears. Yeah, that was his, this was his home. Um, and one other current person that I think is pretty interesting. Have you ever heard the song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Yes. Or Give Me a Million
0: Reasons? A uh, song by Carrie Underwood.
8: Uh-huh. And Lady Gaga, Give Me a Million Reasons, ah. my backdoor neighbor wrote those. Hillary Lindsay ah. is from Washington, Georgia. She was born and raised here, and the list of her accolades just goes on and on with all these hits that she either wrote or co-wrote. So there's a wealth of history even being made here now.
0: How about that? Washington, Georgia. And I want to ask you, John, about next week's event. Of course, it's great to see all these attractions and learn about the history, but what if you come on an empty stomach? I know you've got to have some good food out there. Woo!
8: Yes. There's going to be plenty to eat at Mule Day, but downtown Washington is incredible. It's an event of itself. There are wonderful restaurants and in some pretty unique settings, too garden and gun magazine rants and raves about one of our restaurants big chick for their fried chicken and they're they're all set in some really unique dining um venues one is in a converted horse stable we even have a food truck with a dining deck we've got a great restaurant in an 1898 hotel there's even one that's set up in a 1920s car showroom so Great food to eat. And if you go to our website, washingtonwilkes.org, and go to the drop-down menu of Dine, you will find all of the restaurants listed there and more information and great shops downtown. Um, We even have a a spa that has a Himalayan salt uh, room to rest away in.
0: I can't imagine too many Himalayan salt rooms are available in Georgia these days, but I could be wrong. (laughs)
8: Well, we've got a beautiful one here. <laughs> That's all in downtown Washington. So uh, do set your sights and come see us sometime. There is a wealth of history. and It's not just history. It's a great experience for, you know, a girlfriend's getaway or a date night drive to have a wonderful meal and events, small ones all throughout the year. For example, Mule Day is next Saturday. And if you come and stay overnight, you're treated because that night on the town square, we're showing a movie. And it's free. And it's one of my favorite, Hocus Pocus.
0: Ah. Yeah.
8: Ah. So, lots to do here.
0: Well, again, it's the 38th annual Mule Day next weekend. Keep that in mind. And if you can't make it to Washington, Wilkes County, Georgia for that, keep in mind this is a destination year-round. I know y'all must have a lovely place decorated when it comes christmas time and help me out here i'm assuming you oh, my do <laughs> <No>.
8: <laughs> i always say it is um a saturday evening post picture our yeah. town square is gorgeous and it, it's quintessential surrounded all on all four sides by beautiful victorian architecture courthouse with its clock tower at the end and in the center Of the Village Green is a beautiful water fountain. And for the holidays, we start our traditions always the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So that's going to mean Tuesday, November the 20th. (laughs) We have our candlelight shopping and tree lighting ceremony. The fountain is lit with beautiful Christmas lights. And on top of that, we have snow. We have some of the best snow machines in the state, and snow, the children just absolutely love playing in that and making uh, snow angels. And then that goes on every Saturday up to Christmas, we have snow. And then that also, one more candlelight shopping will take place on Tuesday, December the 18th, and Santa and Mrs. Claus make their appearance there.
0: Well, John, this interview here, we're going to have millions of people moving to your area. I hope you can handle it.
8: We have, yes. I <laughs> welcome them all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> welcome all, y'all. John Singleton from Washington, Georgia. And again, it's the Mule Day taking place next weekend. We appreciate your time and best of luck with this year's Mule Day and everything else you got going on in Washington Wilkes County.
8: Well, I truly appreciate this time. Thank you ever so much.
0: All right. When we come back in hour two of the Y'all Show, we're going to talk SEC football. We're going to hear from some of the coaches in the Southeastern Conference as week six is upon us. And that team from nearby Washington, Georgia, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, I believe is their name. They're having a pretty good season. We'll tell you about Georgia Bulldog sports as well as what's going on as Texas A&M and Kentucky have a big showdown at Kyle Field this weekend. We've got sports talk and more coming up in Hour 2 of the Y'all Show with John Rollins.
9: This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then, in college, pro scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing the trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football, gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance, so he switched and saved. So, this here story has a happy ending after all.
0: hour two of y'all talk with a southern accent continuing on our mission to be the southern voyage of excellence and we are going to go out of this world here this hour i'll tell you about it in just a second on the y'all show with john Rawl. later this hour we're going to stay at least in this hemisphere we're going to talk about sec football it's a big weekend got several major sec versus sec contests going on lsu goes to the swamp you got kentucky the darling of the sec thus far they're going to kyle field and take on the 12th man of texas a&m we'll tell you about that we'll hear some coaches audio from people like jimbo fisher and ed orgeron and more all of that is coming up later this hour on the thursday y'all show our number is 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call or text any old time. We want to hear from you folks. Please reach out to us. 803 816 And we may channel President Trump and send you an alert like you might have received on Wednesday. And give you maybe not quite an extreme emergency alert. But we'll be at least saying, hey, thanks. Thanks, y'all. Now that's the kind of alert you want to get. Thanks, y'all, for, for being a part of our program. 803 803- 816 Hey, if you want to email us, if you don't really want to do the whole texting thing, but you want to get something across to us, y'all show, Y-A-L-L-S-H-O-W, at you is our email address. And that's what you need to do to get in touch with us. And we've got, again, SEC talk coming later this hour. Tomorrow, don't forget, we got General Gridiron going to be back with us, giving us the week six prognostications there's not only some big games in the SEC, major games in the ACC this weekend. And, of course, you got some major games going on outside of the South going on this weekend. And I like this game. The general's going to pick the winner of Navy at Air Force. That's going on this weekend in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Anchors away or off we go to the Wild Blue Yonder. I don't know which team you pull for. But we like to give a little credit to our service academies because they have representatives both on the playing field and in the stands and alumni all over the world who are from the South. I I bet you the South represents half of the service academies. So way to go, Black Knights, Falcons, and Midshipmen, and any of you that might be at the Coast Guard Academy. Of course, want to keep in mind our Southern Military Schools, VMI, the Citadel, of course. Well, here we're going to talk right now about a guy who is from the South, but he graduated from the United States Naval Academy. And that's Charles Duke, a.k.a. Charlie Duke. And on Wednesday, this South Carolina native celebrated his 83rd birthday. Now, why are we talking about Charlie Duke? Well, frankly, it's a little bit of my own fault for not knowing about this great Southerner and member of the United States Naval Academy class of 1957. Well, he's not your typical Navy guy, okay? First off, he graduated from the Naval Academy and went to the Air Force and retired with the rank of Brigadier General in the United States Air Force. But it's what he did in between his retirement as a Brigadier General and what he did when he left Annapolis that's what made Charlie Duke famous. Charlie Duke is an astronaut and he was a part of Apollo 16 and growing up maybe you were I just wasn't into outer space that much as a hobby I I didn't care all that much about it now in the 90s when Apollo 11 came out now that really was a jump start to being interested and we've had some great movies about space and the race to the moon come out in the last 20 years and i love them they're awesome but charlie duke may not be as famous as the guys from apollo 11 or apollo 15 did i say apollo 11 i get the missions mixed mixed up sorry but duke was actually a backup on the apollo 15 the one that had the major problem hiccup in space and luckily it all worked out but he was a backup for that one and He was a part of Apollo 16. Well, again, I didn't grow up studying astronauts too much. I guess maybe I missed it by a decade. I think if you were more of a 60s kid, astronauts were certainly front and center in the the John Glens of the world and those that were part of the original moon landing in 69. Well, on Wednesday, I get emails from publicists all the time, mostly music Row publicists people that are in the music business email me. Occasionally, I get book publicists sending me stuff, but for whatever reason, an email came in on Wednesday afternoon, late actually in the day, and the subject from this email said, Happy birthday to the man who took country music to the moon. Now, that caught my eye. First of all, it's a rather lengthy thing to put in a subject of an email, but Jackie Marushka, your email got my attention, and I had to click on it. And it started out saying, from Austin, today is Charlie Duke's birthday. I was like, who, what country music singer is named Charlie Duke? I don't know who that is. And then I had to keep reading. And sure enough, Charlie Duke isn't a singer, but he took country music to the moon back in 1972. And we're going to play this song that's actually called Charlie Duke Took Country Music to the Moon to the moon i'm going to play that just a second from now that's a song out by the Stryker brothers and that is a whole nother story there that I, I need to tell you about but back in 72 charlie duke the native south carolinian who went to high school for a portion of his life in florida and went on to the naval academy and then joined the air force he loved country music so he had a reel of country music songs assembled and a guy named merle haggard actually recorded a, a greeting for the astronauts on Apollo 16 to play when they were in space. And you're going to hear that as the first portion of this song, Charlie Duke Took Country Music to the Moon. And and that'll give you an idea. In fact, let me just go ahead and play it because really the first stanza of this song sets the stage of who Charlie Duke is. Now Remember, he's alive. He has not died. And, and that's why we're doing this because here is a, a true American and Southern hero who's still with us, still active. In fact, after we play this song and we take a break, when we come back in the next segment, we're going to continue our tribute to Charlie Duke, and this our what we're going to call our first y'all of fame as we celebrate great Southerners. That's something we need to do more often on this show. Living or deceased, we have had so many great Southerners in the past, we've got great Southerners now, and we need to promote them. And why not start with a guy who's one of only 12 people in the history of the world to walk on the moon? And Charlie Duke did that in 1972. And he actually was the youngest person to ever walk on the moon. So now that he's 83 years old, he is the youngest person to have ever walked on the moon that's still with us. And that's a great thing. He lives in New Braunfels, Texas, has lived in Texas, I assume, since he joined the NASA program as an astronaut back in the 60s. But in the next segment... I found an incredible audio of Charlie Duke talking about his relationship with God. And it is something that we're not really a religious show here on the Y'all Show. But if you're one of only a dozen people who have ever walked on the moon, well, that gets my attention. And I want to hear what you have to say. And he talks about how that experience was, I guess, part of his decision to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And we're going to let him do the talking in the next segment. But setting the stage, here is his song that's out right now by the Stryker Brothers. And I'll tell you about them after we hear this little portion of Charlie Duke took country music to the moon. And here's the intro from the hag, Merle Haggard.
9: My name
5: is Merle Haggard. We want to dedicate this especially to Charlie Duke. He was the one who who asked for the tape.
2: And
8: and, uh, of course, the other two fellas are invited to listen. Uh, unless you have separate compartments maybe you can get away from it uh, and we hope you all get back safe
10: when charlie duke was a little bitty baby said i want to be a pilot and his daddy said maybe if you work real hard and you never play the fool
4: Next thing you know, he's in a T-38, flying up and down and all over the place, so they signed him up and they sent him off to astronaut school.
10: Now, he was just a boy from the Palmetto State who ended up in outer space, but he liked his music country, and that Friends is pretty cool. Charlie Duke took country music to the
2: moon. He blasted off and busted out those songs by Buck and Merle.
10: Jerry, Chet, and Dolly Rode that rocket ship with Charlie Folks from Bakersfield to
5: Raleigh Sang with every tune When Charlie Duke Took country music to the moon
0: Catchy little tune there from the Stryker Brothers and the portion of the song Charlie Duke took country music to the moon Well, he actually did do, do that. That's a true story. Now, what's not true is the Stryker brothers they are a fictitious act a mythical duo and this is a good song now you might recognize a few of the voices there and according to the publicist for the Stryker brothers well here are some names that could be part of this group and they're, they're kind of being a little coy here but let me tell you who you might recognize as members of this band robert earl Keane Shooter Jennings, Randy Rogers, Lloyd Maines, and or Todd Snyder have had roles as Cole and Flint striker, And that is the song, the first single, the first track from the new CD Burn Band, Charlie Duke took country music to the moon. And again, the real Charlie Duke celebrated his 83rd birthday yesterday. We wish him All the best, and what a catchy song. And they need to take this song back to the lunar surface and change the world, change the galaxy with some great country music. Now, we are not done talking about Charlie Duke. When we come back on the Y'all Show, again, as promised, we're going to talk about Mr. Duke, General Duke, I should say, and how he became a committed Christian after his Apollo 16 flight in 1972. And today, he remains active in prison ministry in Texas and beyond. This great southerner from Lancaster, South Carolina, originally, and what he's done to devote his life to God and Jesus since his time in in NASA, which he retired, as we said, back in the 70s, but still very active. And I found this video that we're going to play next. You'll hear the audio of it. And even if you aren't a believer, you'll want to hear what this astronaut has to say. That's up next here on The Y'all Show with the General. The fake general, me, not General Duke, John Raw.
3: i'm a glue stick so i have one job i glue kid stuff so sorry for being jealous of geico who does a ton more like give you 24 7 access to thousands of licensed agents and geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97 percent customer satisfaction rating while i've just got mediocre adhesive skills geico also has an award-winning mobile app Uh uh-oh arts and crafts time no eating the glue stick miss lydia
2: geico expect great savings and a whole lot more Walks in the smoke, he's one hip at a time, like a broken field runner, slipping through the line. He likes the way she looks, so he calls a little wife, says, Don't wait up for me, I'll be working late tonight. Wife hangs up the phone, bursts into tears, calls her sister up and cries, Get over here. Sister tells her boyfriend, Be back in a while. Boyfriend wants a beer. The store is just a mile. He leaves a motor running. He'll only be a minute. His car drives away with teenagers in it. The driver tells his buddies, Got one life to live. They scream into the night.
0: Let's get it over with. Some good Joe Diffie music third rock from the sun and that's about earth but the guy we're saluting here in our y'all of fame today is charlie duke who was born in charlotte north carolina august 3rd of 1935 which was yesterday 83 years ago he celebrated her birthday yesterday happy birthday general charles moss duke jr and he went into the air force after graduating from the naval academy he was a fighter pilot a test pilot. Then he joined the NASA program, and right now on the Y'all Show, we're going to actually go to a recent speech he gave, and General Duke talks about how he wasn't very religious when he was an astronaut. When he went to the moon, he wasn't a believer, but when he came back, and he talks about the, the fact that he was what should have been on a great high, I mean, he's one of 12 people to have ever walked on the moon, and that doesn't mean anything. You still have to deal with life and the problems here on Earth. And this was so compelling that I just felt like we should play it and hear what General Charlie Duke had to say about his walk with God here on the all Show. I think you'll appreciate it. If you're a believer or if you're not, this is amazing because it's from a guy, again, who walked on the moon.
10: President Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon. And we're going to land on the moon, and we're going to return safely by the end of 1969. And so, uh, I began to think maybe, well, that's an exciting career. Maybe that's what I ought to do. In 1962, went back to MIT, met some astronauts. To get a, I got a master's degree from MIT, and I met some astronauts, and they impressed. I was so impressed by them. I decided to try for the space program and was selected in 1966. And so my wife, Dorothy, and our little son, Charles, we moved to Houston, Texas to start my career as an astronaut. <laughs> Woo-hoo! When we got to, those of you who are from Houston, from Houston to NASA is 25 miles on what was called the Gulf Freeway, Interstate 45. We got there in 1966, they were working on the Gulf Freeway. They're still working on the Gulf Freeway today. <laughs> Traffic's the worst I've ever seen. Well, I don't know, maybe uh, Calcutta might be worse than, uh, uh, than Houston. But anyway, I became an astronaut and was uh, selected to fly on Apollo 16. And uh, we lifted off, uh, not in a space shuttle, but a, a Saturn rocket. Uh, And we went to the moon. And the first time I saw the earth, we were 20,000 miles away. And I looked out the window, and there's the earth. And I could see the whole circle of the earth. And uh, I could see the Arctic Circle down across Canada, the United States, and Mexico, and Central America. You couldn't see any civilization. You couldn't see any uh, evidence of civilization. No cities. But you just saw the earth and there was the brown of the land the pure white of the snow and the clouds and the crystal blue of the ocean suspended in the blackness of space it was awesome breathtaking experience to see that there have been 24 of us who have seen that view with our eyes probably everybody in here has seen a picture of that uh, we took of uh, that earth uh, suspended in the blackness of space I wasn't a student of the Bible then, but later on, as I was reading the Bible, I became a believer in Jesus. And I gave my heart to Jesus, I began to read the Word of God, the Bible. And as I did, I saw in the book of Isaiah, a verse that describes exactly what I saw. And it says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Well, of course, I didn't see God, But with my eyes, I saw the circle of the earth. It speaks the truth. And in the book of Job, as a verse said, when God made the earth, he suspended it upon nothing. And that's exactly what it looks like, just hung in the blackness of space. We made it to the moon. I spent three days on the surface of the moon exploring uh, the beautiful desert of the moon and it was a uh, tremendous experience. Uh, life. Cha- uh, I can't say life-changing experience, but it was a humbling experience for me to be one of the men who was chosen to step onto the moon and to see this beautiful gray uh, surface, very rough and rocky, and to look out at the horizon of the moon and just look up into the blackness of space. Uh, Why? When the sun's shining, you don't see any stars. And all the time we were on the moon, it was always sunlight. So you just look up and you see, since there's no atmosphere, there's no color to the sky. It's just this blackness of space. It's very, very impressive. I made it back when I was 36 years old. And after Apollo was over, I realized, uh, what are you going to do now? Good question. What are you going to do now? Rest of your life. I'd climb to the top. I was at the top of the ladder. And the world says, you, when you get to the top of the ladder, you're going to have peace and joy and prosperity and happiness and, and all of those things. I didn't have any of that. That drive that took me to the moon was still there. What are you going to do now? My career was in great shape, but my marriage was falling apart and my kids, they hardly knew their dad. And so personally, things were falling apart. We were in church, but we didn't know God. We just went to church. And uh, in 1975, things got so bad that my wife Dorothy was contemplating suicide. Strange, we had everything. The world said you needed for happiness and I got a wife considering suicide. But some people came to our church and told us about Jesus, that Jesus can change your life. Jesus gave you peace and joy on the inside. Your circumstances might take change, but He gives you peace inside, and you can change inside. And she looked at them and saw the joy and the love that they had that we didn't have in our lives. And she said, unbeknownst to me that weekend, after the weekend was over, she went down and prayed and said, Lord, if you're real, I give you my life. Jesus, if you're the son of God, I give you my life. If you're not, I want to die. That was a prayer. It really is a God. And over the next two months, I watched Jesus change your life from sadness to joy. Changed. Two and a half years later, I made the same decision at a Bible study in New Braunfels, Texas, where we live today. And I realized I had a decision to make where my destiny Depended on my decision about Jesus. And I was sitting in my, after that weekend was over, I was sitting in my automobile with my wife, and I looked over at Dorothy and I said, There's no doubt in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I said, Lord, I give you my life. Come into my life. And for the very first time, I experienced the peace of God. It was life changing. And from that moment on, I began to read the Scriptures and to not only read, but to do what it says. The Bible taught me how to be the right husband, taught me how to be the right father, taught me what the priorities of life should be. Seek first the kingdom of God. And as long as I put those those things into practice, we experience love and peace and joy. Now, we have had a lot of problems. That's 38, almost 39 years ago. And we've had a lot of problems. But not one promise of God has failed us in 39 years. His promises of he's faithful to be with us in times of trial and troubles and tribulation, in times of joy, peace, all of that can come into your life as as we begin to walk with Jesus. So I know now my final destiny. Jesus says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you in this life or in the life to come. I know where I'm headed. I know the road I'm on is the right road. And that's the walk with Jesus. I'm the only one in here that walked on the moon. Anybody else here? Raise your hand. I don't see anybody. So we can't walk on the moon together, but we can walk with Jesus together because it's the gift of God. It's available for each of us. So you determine what road are you on. My road is the road with Jesus leading the way, for He is my shepherd, my guide, my Savior, my God. God loves you, and so do I.
0: And that voice you heard there was Charlie Duke, a NASA astronaut, member of the Apollo 16 mission to the moon, one of only a dozen people to ever walk on the lunar surface. And that was from a 2017 presentation he gave. And we want to credit Bridges International with this incredible video. You can go to YouTube and find the video in its entirety of him speaking to this group. And as we heard there, his walk with God and, and an amazing story. We thought we would share it. Regardless of how you feel about his walk with God, he is truly a Southern and an American patriot and hero. And we want to thank him for his service. 83 years old. See, we're not waiting till he passes away to give him a proper salute. We want to do more of this. There are some amazing people that are with us, many of which won't be around all that much longer. But Charlie Duke, thankfully, the Lord's blessed him and his family. And we want to give this Carolinian, now Texan, a proper y'all salute here in our y'all of fame with John Rawl. Thank you, General Duke. When we come back on the Y'all Show, the SEC will be front and center, and it may not be out of this world like the moon, but it is on top of the world when it comes to college football. Alabama is the reason for that, of course. But there's some other good football games going on in the SEC this weekend. We'll have our SEC report, and we'll also go in and hear audio from several SEC coaches. We've got Coach Orgeron. He's one of the four. Jimbo Fisher is one of the four. And I'll throw in two others, too, just for good measure. That's on the other side of this break on the Y'all Show with John Rawls.
2: Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details.
7: How did I get into credit card
2: debt? A trip to the emergency room.
9: Car repairs. (laughs) (gasps)
3: Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The gorgeous hair event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Drybar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful.
0: Oh, the good sound of the fighting Texas Aggie band on the Y'all Show as A&M gets ready to have a big game at Kyle Field Saturday against the undefeated Kentucky Wildcats. More on that in just a few. In fact, we've got audio from Jimbo Fisher, the head cadet in College Station. That is ahead in just a few. But right now on the Y'all Show, as we wrap up our show for today, we'll have our SEC Spotlight. And the spotlight shines brightly on the Alabama Crimson Tide. And they can handle it. They're number one in the country. They are the defending national champs. And when you have all this going for you, well, you kind of get paid a lot of dough. And it's true. Alabama's football coach, Nick Saban, has topped USA Today's annual coaching salary database once again. His total pay package is little bit short of what i'm making maybe you make a little less maybe a little more the football master nick saban he's got a total pay package worth 8.3 million dollars a year and that was actually down from last year when he topped the list at more than 11 million dollars including a four million dollar bonus that alabama called a contract extension signing incentive he is 66 years old And he led Alabama to its fifth national title in 10 years in 2017. And he signed an eight-year, $74.4 million contract extension in July to coach through the 2025 season. So I find it hard to believe that how could you go from 11 one year down? I mean, he may have to start collecting coupons. He he only made 8.3, only made 8.3 last year, according to, to the USA Today Coaching Salary Database. But tough times in T-Town for Coach Saban. By the way, Urban Meyer is number two on this list with $7.6 million. Others on the list include Jim Harbaugh. Man, he's not making his money back for the University of Michigan. $7.5 million. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. We're going to hear from him in just a second. The $7.5 million man as well. And then Auburn. Gus Malzahn is pulling in 6.7 mil on the Plains. Five SEC coaches were in the top ten. Georgia's Kirby Smart was six on the list at 6.6 million. Florida's Dan Mullen, eight, at 6.07 million a year. Now, I find it hard to believe that Clemson's Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney, who had a national championship two years ago, he's seventh on this list. Clemson, you better pay up or he's going to leave. The only place he's going is Alabama, and I don't even know if he's going to do that, but he should. But that job's not quite open yet. As long as Saban's there, Dabo, you're going to have to sit out and and wait for him to leave for you to get back to your alma mater and to your wife Kathleen's hometown of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The pride of Tuscaloosa County High School is his wife. And I I actually met Dabo back in the 90s at the cypress inn a famous tuscaloosa restaurant back when he was selling insurance or real estate i forget one of the two he did for a brief time when he wasn't in football and that's where i met him his wife was a childhood friend of my wife at the time and that's why i met him i think he even came to my wedding i don't know there were so many people there i got married in tuscaloosa first marriage My first wife was from Tuscaloosa. My second wife was from Oxford, Mississippi. I am 0-2 in the SEC West. I need to switch divisions, possibly even switch conferences. That is if I'm ever going to get married again. I don't know if I should or not. But I'm done with the SEC West. Sorry. SEC East, here I come. Probably be better off if I just married an Ivy Leaguer, frankly. But they're probably too liberal for me. All right, so that's what's going on financially in the SEC and some other coaches around college football. Now, back to the Sabinator. He said this week he is disappointed in the spotty numbers of students attending Alabama football games. It looked like the stadium was half full during Saturday's fifty six to fourteen thumping over Louisiana Lafayette and he said he's disappointed there were not more students at the game. Well, tricky Nick here's some advice. If you want students to come, perhaps you should have a tougher game. Maybe not the opponent. I'm not blaming Louisiana Lafayette for the game. Perhaps you should maybe make a, more, a game out of it. Instead of winning 56-14, to 14, maybe 56-40. to 40, Something a little bit more respectable. Give the team, maybe give them points. That would keep people in the stands a little longer. Of course, I believe this game against Louisiana Lafayette was played in in a very hot time of day. That probably kept people out of the student section and more. You got a bigger stadium. When I first went to Bryant Denny Stadium back in the early nineties, they had just started playing games there. They'd been playing at Legion Field and really didn't play home games. They've expanded that stadium, I think it's a hundred thousand now, close to it, if not. And you got a lot of seats there that you gotta fill up for games like Louisiana Life yet. And public service announcement, Coach Saban. I'm gonna do my part to help you out on this. I am going to your next and only remaining Cupcake game on the schedule. You have a game against the Citadel Bulldogs the last week before you play Auburn for the Iron Bowl. So we're talking November 21st, roughly, whatever that Saturday is. Yes, I bought two tickets to go pull on and root for the Bulldogs to pull the Shocker against Alabama. So I gave, I've got my tickets already in hand. Beautiful, beautiful. Got the Alabama logo, but they're in the Citadel section, which I will give Alabama credit for. They put visitors, if you get them in the official visitor section of Bryant-Denny, you get a good spot, and Alabama does that right. Some schools, they screw you over. They put you in the rafters. And I didn't want to be in the rafters with idiotic Alabama fans who never heard of the Citadel. They probably never heard of Charleston, South Carolina, perhaps never even heard of South Carolina. They don't even know where a building on campus is, frankly, at the University of Alabama. They're just Alabama fans. Yeah, Alabama. We're the best. Well, you may beat us that day. I hope not. Go ask the South Carolina Gamecocks what it's like to play the Citadel Bulldogs. 23-22 winners the Bulldogs were back in 2015 over the mighty SEC Gamecocks. And I was there for that one. Hadn't had that much luck, though. I went to the North Carolina game. The Citadel got beat pretty bad. And then last year, the Citadel played at Clemson in the final game of the year. 62-3, to I believe, was the final there in Death Valley. Clemson destroyed us. But that's okay. Love the Bulldogs. Love the Military College of South Carolina. Now, so, Nick, I'm doing my part to help you out. So I'll see you in November, and you can at least not pick on Bulldog fans for not filling up their portion of Bryant-Denny Stadium when the Citadel comes for the big upset of your mighty Crimson Tide. Now, we're going to talk about this weekend's game. There's... Quite a few good ones on the SEC docket for Saturday. That Alabama Crimson Tide team we're talking about, they travel to Razorback Stadium where Arkansas awaits. Arkansas is having a season to remember and not in a good way. They had a good fight last week against Texas A&M, but the Hogs ended up falling in a close game at Jerry World. On the Y'all Show right now, we're going to listen to a couple of coaches from throughout the SEC, and we're going to first start off with Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead. His team had a tough loss last weekend when Dan Mullen's Florida Gators came into Starkville. And the Bulldogs, they have a game this week against the Auburn Tigers at Davis Wade Stadium. And we're
4: going to go down and
0: hear Coach Moorhead talking about this matchup against the number eight Plainsman.
4: I thought, you know, not counting the sacks, uh, obviously from a rushing standpoint, uh, I thought he, he, he made good decisions in the run game and ran the ball well. You know, particularly in the first half, where we had, uh, you know, three drives that were not two-minute, and we able to move into the red zone on, on uh, two of those three. Uh, you know, from a pass game standpoint, certainly we need to complete a higher percentage of balls, uh, and we have the opportunity. You know, a lot of it goes into it. You know, certainly from a quarterback standpoint, you know, having played the position, it's the one that gets, you know, more than the credit it deserves and more than the blame it deserves. But certainly, 41 percent or whatever it was, 11 of. Uh, was uh, you know we need that to improve and you know part of that is the quarterback part of that's the protection you know part of that the route you know part of it catching the ball so you know certainly Nick uh, on a weekly basis you know looking to improve on the things we ask him to do and getting acclimated to a new system you know certainly we're gonna need him to you know all and all of us we're gonna need him to play better moving forward than uh, than what he did in Florida.
7: Coach, when
6: you have a situation like when Osiris Mitchell drop a big pass like that as a young player, how do you kind of coach him through that to kind of help him move forward?
4: Yeah, I mean, yelling at him ain't gonna solve anything. It's uh, put him more in the tank. I mean, the kid knows he made a mistake and you know had had a, had a critical drop. But but to me, you, you pat him on the head, tell him you're going to need him uh, in this game. You're going to need him moving forward and really correct the issue, not 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 the play. And you know what happened there is he tried to run before he caught the ball. So. The term coach Getz and I use our eyes to the tuck. When you catch the ball, you tuck it in before you start running. And uh, you know he's our leading receiver. He's got a lot of great football in front of him. Had an unfortunate play, but uh, to me, you you got to you got to correct in those instances. And uh, that's what we try to do.
0: Mississippi State head football coach Joe Moorhead talking about his dogs, which play Auburn. That's a 7:30 Eastern, 6:30 Central kick in Stark Vegas between the Dogs and the Tigers on Saturday evening. Now on the All Show, another game to be on the lookout for as Georgia, they are doing quite well. Everybody knows that. No surprise. Number two in the country. Well, they've got an SEC East battle with the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now Vanderbilt has been a nemesis to Georgia in the past. Just when you think there's no way Vanderbilt can make a game out of it, they've made a game out of it in many years. Some years they've even pulled the upset. I don't think that's going to be the case this Saturday between the hedges, but Kirby Smart. Well, he's very aware of the history between these two teams, and he was at the mic earlier this week in his press conference. Let's hear from the Georgia head football coach now.
6: I mean, it's a choice that their offensive coordinator has to make, how many shots they want to take down the field. I don't think it's a matter of Tennessee couldn't do it or South Carolina couldn't. All of them can do it. They can max they can throw the ball deep. They can free release and throw the ball deep. Kyle, Kyle does a great job of doing that. He's a uh, has a tremendous receiving core. He's very intelligent. He understands the system he plays in. He's able to know what coverage you're in. He knows where to go with the ball. He knows what matchups are right. It's a really good quarterback that understands the game and one of the many in the SEC now that are grown up. You know, two years ago, all these guys you're playing against were freshmen. Now they're all older and better players. Uh, certainly believe he'll be able to test us deep because they've got the capability of doing that.
7: Kirby, uh, DeAndre Walker, I think, has three forced fumbles. Uh, how important is that in terms of the aspect that brings to his game? What kind of season has he had for you so far?
6: Uh, DeAndre's been really consistent during games, uh, playing with effort and toughness. He plays really hard. Um, and I think the sacks turning into fumbles are critical because the most vulnerable position there is is when you're getting sacked. Like we see with our guy, you don't see him coming all the time. You've you got to keep your eyes downfield. If you're looking at the rusher to protect the ball, then you're probably not going to be a very good passer. DeAndre's taking advantage of the quarterback's eyes downfield and being very disruptive and, and causing problems. we we got to get more guys to produce like DeAndre has. He's played really well so far.
0: Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs play the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's another 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 kick on the SEC Network, where that will be televised. Saturday evening well all eyes in the SEC will be on the swamp it's the big CBS game this week as the number five LSU Tigers travel to Dan Mullen's swamp to play the Florida Gators Again, Florida got a big win over Mississippi State last week in SEC play and can the Gators pull off the upset over Ed Orgeron's undefeated Bayou Bengals well we're going to go hear from the coach now and of course we're not going to hear from Dan Mullen it's a lot more fun if we hear from Coach O, Ed Orgeron, the pride of La Rose, Louisiana, which, again, is a place in Cajun country. You really, really have to be wanting to go there to get to La Rose. I've been to La Rose right on Bayou Lafouche, on the way down to the Gulf. And it is rather, well, it's rather Louisiana, to be honest with you. And here's the coach talking about the matchup between his Tigers and the Gators this weekend.
2: Coach, it's a unique situation to go to a venue two two years in a row. Um, What do you take away from last year's trip to Florida? People always say the fans are closer to the action. Mm -hmm. It's the crowd noise and the things you have to deal with.
5: Yeah, I take away mostly the mindset we had that we got on the plane that we are going to win the football game. And uh, I take away when we we got out there, it was probably the hottest place we had been. And I remember being in a pregame warm-up. We went out there because we didn't want any distractions. The year before, we had some distractions. I think we had a fight before. Our team wasn't ready to play. We had too many turnovers. We made sure our coaches were on the field. We made sure there was not, no distractions there. I remember the heat. I remember telling Coach Jenkins to go in. <laughs> I was afraid he was going to pass out. It was so hot. And, uh, but uh, I, just, I remember that. And then I remember the leadership on our football team came through that day. And I remember them missing the extra point. And guys like Richard Lawrence and uh, Devin White saying, we're going to win this football game regardless. So those are the things, a hard-fought battle. I remember on the f- uh, start of the fourth quarter, they're playing, hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. We won't back down by Tom Petty. And I thought it was a tremendous time for our football team because we were singing it too. And it was, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. It's going to take 60 minutes. This is a rivalry game. It comes down to one play or two. So those are the things I remember.
0: Ed Orgeron of LSU fame. His Tigers and the Florida Gators, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern kick on CBS this weekend. Now on the Y'all Show, we'll wrap up our coaches' audio with Texas A&M skipper Jimbo Fisher. Now when he looked at the schedule this year, and he mapped out the tough opponents the Aggies would have during his first season in Aggieland, I'm sure he didn't have that Kentucky-dated home scheduled as a toughie. Remember Texas A&M has already played Clemson, they've already played Alabama, they've had tough contests against Alabama, Arkansas that they won last week and they've had they may have had the toughest schedule to date in the country. I'm sure they've had that. If they're not, it's got to be one of the toughest schedules in college football. And they're not done. They still got some major SEC opponents left on the schedule that they've got to play. But Kentucky is the East team that's not on a permanent basis With the Aggies. They're the team coming into Aggieland this year. And Kentucky is on a roll. Ranked number 13 in the country. Got big wins over Florida. Got a big win over South Carolina last week. And those Stoops-led Cats, they're on a mission. But they haven't seen anything quite like Aggieland and Kyle Field and the 12th man. And Jimbo Fisher of the Aggies now, not with Florida State. He's made the move. He got us close to eight million by moving over to Texas and coaching the Aggies. Well, he lets us know what his team's going to do to prepare for Mark Stoops's Kentucky Wildcats.
7: I think we're playing the run really well, and that's one of the things in that game. I thought we did an excellent job of of making that you know of rushing and rush defense, and that's going to start with that. We're going to have to. We're going to get challenged because, I, like I said before, it's not when there's no yards there, and you look down and you say, "Well, we got him." It's second and five. A second time. I mean, I've never seen a guy that can wiggle, and and, I, and I, for a lack of a better term, he reminds me of the way Emmett used to run. I mean, Emmett had the big plays, and we did all that, but Emmett made yards on everything he did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, back in the day when you really watched him, you think, well, they got him. At the end of the day, he'd have 25 carries for about 160. Where, where did that come from? I mean, it's just constantly moving the chains, and he runs, and he's strong, and he's powerful, and all of a sudden he breaks out. He's a very patient, and he finds space in places there aren't spaces there shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to be a huge challenge. And we're playing the run very well, so it's going to be You know, – we're going to have to really tighten it down and, and tighten those screws to make sure. Because And then all of a sudden the quarterback's dynamic, so you can't forget that and totally commit there because he's so explosive in how he moves.
0: Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher setting the stage for the Aggies and the Kentucky Wildcats. That's a 7 Eastern, 6 Central kick on ESPN Saturday night. Other games from SEC action, the Ole Miss – Landshark Rebel Black Bears on the SEC Network. They host Louisiana Monroe. That is a 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Oxford time kick. And you got South Carolina. They've got the early game on the SEC Network Saturday. The Gamecocks have the Battle of Columbia as the Missouri Tigers roll into Williams-Brice Stadium. That's a high noon Eastern kick on the SEC Network. And Alabama is at Arkansas. That is a game on ESPN that also is a high noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central kick from Razorback Stadium. And that's a look at what's going on in SEC football this weekend, the sixth weekend of college football. Can you believe this weekend marks the halftime of college football 2018? Lordy, lordy. Well, speaking of college football, on Friday's y'all show, General Gridiron will be here to give his take on these matchups of SEC schools, plus what's going on in the ACC, a couple of big Pac-12 battles going on this weekend, and more General Gridiron, Field Marshal of Football Foretelling. That will be our special in Fridays, y'all. You don't want to miss it. And we'll have a lot more good stuff coming your way tomorrow. So until that time, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and evening. I'm John Rawls signing off. You've been listening to y'all talk with a southern accent. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Are you putting
2: your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now.
9: That's bankonyourself.com. bankonyourself.com. This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then, in college, pro scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing the trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football. Gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance. So he switched and saved. So, this here story has a happy ending after all.